Howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. Hey, it's Scott, and welcome back to another episode of Spin Magazine Presents Lip Service. Coming to the show to you today, an icon, founder, and songwriter of the legendary Alice in Chains, Mr. Jerry Cantrell. This music was some of the soundtrack to my life early on, especially in the 90s. Music that really stands the test of time. Jerry's written so many incredible songs. As you know, Alice in Chains, Man in a Box, to so many more. I've never met Jerry, so this should be really fun. I've been a big fan of what he's been doing for a long time, but he's written some of the most iconic riffs of all time. He's got a new record out, October 29th, Brighton, that we'll get into. We'll talk all things Alice in Chains, his history, the new record, how he went about writing it, and uh, excited to get into this and chop it up with Jerry Cantrell coming up in just a moment. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. Our show today is brought to you by the fine folks at Thursday's Boot Company. You guys have seen me rocking these boots in every other picture I have on Instagram. I'm always repping them. Thursday's Boots is a bootstrap startup that makes the best handcrafted boots and sells them direct to consumer at some of the lowest markups in the footwear industry. Thursday's Boots tagline is highest quality, honest prices because they use some of the best materials like full grain leather, supple glove leather lining, and gold standard Goodyear welt construction. Thursday's Boot Company sells their boots at prices starting at just $149 with free shipping and returns. They've been featured in all the best fashion press, from Esquire to GQ to Cosmo and Vogue. And more importantly, they've gotten over 20,000 five-star reviews from real customers. Thursday's boots are perfect for people who understand quality and don't want to pay a high retail markup for a great-looking pair of boots that are built to last. So check them out at Thursday's Boots on Instagram. My favorite shoes, my favorite boots. You always see me repping them. You'll love it. Hey, howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. I want to welcome to the show, Lip Service, Mr. Jerry Contrell. How are you? I'm all right, man. How are you doing? See I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Definitely want to get into your new record, October 29th, Brighton Comes Out, which I'm excited to get into. And uh, I wanted to tell you though, Jerry, you know, I saw, I guess it was last December, right? Uh, you know, the museum uh, did the tribute to actually, they honored you. Um, and it was one of the best concerts I've ever seen in my life. So I wanted to get into that because I feel like if people haven't seen it, it's the Museum of Pop Culture. It's up in Seattle. It was December last year. And honestly, one of the best concerts I've ever seen in my life. And it was you guys were getting honored. So it, it was a it was a pretty special show. And uh, especially under the circumstances uh, that it got made, that was right in the right in the bowels of COVID. So everybody that was involved with that, all of our friends and artists that that uh, that covered tunes and did did just amazing performances, you know, everybody everybody rallied together and, and, and came together and uh, put on a, a really, 
really cool show. Uh, you know, uh, it, we're, we're pretty much all of all of the folks that performed are, are good friends of ours, you know, yeah. and they're all they're all bands that we admire uh, as well. And so, uh, uh, kind of a weird feature about that is that that is normally a uh, a very small uh, private event uh, inside the the, muse- the museum of pop culture. And it's just a, you know, just a, it's kind of a, kind of a charity event and a dinner in a very small room. And uh, uh, one of the positive aspects of, of having to do it during COVID is we, we kind of took it worldwide and kind of broadcast it everywhere. And uh, uh, that was kind of a unexpected feature, but uh, yeah, we were very honored to, uh, to be uh, chosen uh, to, to, uh, to uh, represent and uh, and even more so that uh, that so many of our friends and and uh, uh, our heroes rallied to 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 rock rock our tunes, man. Yeah, I was gonna say it's an a testament of how great those songs are, right? Because I mean, like the Fishbone version of Them Bones is one of the better things I've seen. Oh, ever. that's sick! That's sick. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah. Was, yeah, I was like, what the fuck is this? But it was so good. Mastodon, Metallica, Corn, and you guys played obviously. Um, yep. There was even an appearance by Nona Weissbaum, who's your alter ego, right? Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. She 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 dusted dust off the outfit mothballs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. How did you come up with that character? By the way, I was thinking that when I was rewatching <clears throat> that because I obviously I saw the special like a year ago, but I was watching it this morning again. I was like, where did that character come from for you? Generally speaking, like, and we've we've done quite a few comedy skits over the years, uh, starting. I think that I think all that stuff started kind of with with us and Ricky Rackman and Headbangers Ball oh, sure. because we would kind of Ricky would do, let us do whatever we wanted to do so we <laughs> right. would we would we would you know act like we went Hollywood and move in, moved into a dilapidated uh, you know mansion in the Hollywood Hills in the early 90s and dressed up like 1920s movie star guys or whatever or went to like a water park that that then they did that documentary about that oh, i remember park. yeah 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 and uh and uh and so you know we started doing doing skits and stuff like that and we would generally have a just get a rough idea together and just kind of kind of grab some costumes and make it up as we we go along it's all it's all pretty much ad lib stuff so nona just kind of came out of came out of a came out of a couple of trips to the thrift store and uh, uh my friend kathy cooper i think helped me quite a bit put put her together but uh uh yeah not a whole lot of thought and that's kind of the fun of it you know just uh there's a real fun element uh to this band we've had a lot of fun doing it and uh since sense of humor and having the ability to laugh at yourself i think is important and if you can make other people laugh during uh during that process uh all the, all the more the better you know definitely there's so many great tracks by the way on their tribute i mean anyone that really stood out for you obviously mastodon for me was a standout Metallica all, all, and of, all of those all of those are amazing and anna nancy and 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 live and and chris novoselic and the Soundgarden guys with tad oh yeah, my god yeah. that was that was so good yeah and uh uh probably the one that Probably the one that touched me the most was was uh, on you know just on a personal level and actually brought brought a tear to my eye was was Lily Cornell and Chris Garmo oh. doing uh, Black Goes Way to Blue. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's incredible, incredible. It's weird sometimes you see those shows and they're not that great. But I told so many people that was literally the best show that I've seen honoring an artist. And uh, man, I hope they do more of them because it was so cool. I was like, how did I not know about this thing? So yeah. 
Well, you know, like, like I said, it is, it is a local thing yeah. and that's, that's why it probably means the most to us, you know, uh, as well as it being, you know, uh, in, included by all of our friends. Uh, but, uh, I would like to see that thing released cause it's so cool. I, I'm not sure if it lives out there or if it's accessible through the Mopop site, but, uh, but I, it, I, it, it is really cool, you know, definitely, definitely. It, and you raised a bunch yeah. of money too, right? Doing it? We, we really did. Yeah. yeah. I think, uh, you know, they usually, they usually, uh, raise a pretty good chunk every year. And I think, I think we kind of upped that a little bit and, and that mm. was, that was great. Incredible. So I want to talk about the new record. Obviously, it's incredible. Uh, I was just talking about it and and obviously talk about some of the tunes on the record. There's even like tinges of country on the record, which I didn't expect. But in diving deep into your your life, I, I learned uh, that you were really into country growing up. Um, so that makes sense. And I want to talk about actually the Elton John cover on the record. Goodbye. So talk sure. to me a little bit about how, you know, the players on the record from Duff to Abe Laboreal Jr., an amazing drummer too, obviously, and, and how the record came about. You've obviously been pretty busy during this lockdown. Did it come about during the lockdown or kind of right before? When did you start it? Uh, we wrapped the Rainier Fog Tour uh, in, I think it was September of 19. We were we were out doing a co-headliner with Corn. With they were kind of starting the beginning of promoting their record, and we were just kind of coming to the end of, of, of our, our uh, touring cycle for ours so it was a really great uh couple of months spent with those guys doing shows and uh but you know we were looking we were looking at winding down and generally we take some time off you know uh uh you know you've been out there uh, on the road and making a record so you see you know it's a it's a couple of years two to three year process so yeah, to yeah. write record and then go tour a record so that's you know after that we generally like to kind of take a little time off so we planned on uh, being off for maybe, you know, maybe take, maybe taking about a year off. That seems to be where we land before we get back to work. And, uh, I thought I would use that year to, uh, make a record because I hadn't done it in so long. And, you know, I'd spent, spent most of the last two decades, you know, uh, uh, putting, uh, my energy and my time in, into the band, you know, along with the guys to, uh, breathe some new life into it and make some new music and, uh, and connect, reconnect with the fans. And, and we had a, wonderful experience doing that and uh more to come but uh you know i i thought it might be a good idea so i started talking to my buddy tyler bates and uh my my buddy uh paul figueroa who has engineered four records in a row for me and gone through the demo process for all four uh and joe barisi so between the four of us we kind of just kind of we we talked about it we started getting ideas demoing stuff talking about musicians and everybody had some people to bring to the party you know and uh tyler introduced me to uh michael Rosan and and jordan lewis and uh gil sharon and gil gil introduced me to greg pucciato uh barisi brought in uh uh abe laboreal and uh paul figueroa uh, introduced me to uh vincent jones great keyboard player and uh uh lola colette uh tyler bates his daughter is a mm. wonderful artist <clears throat> up-and-coming artist and and she she did some great backup vocals on there too and uh there's a few other members uh but you know it was it was a uh, it was a really organic process uh it was just it was like friends and friends of friends and oh duff mckagan of course i was gonna yeah, say duff, you and duff, duff have yeah. had a long-standing yeah. relationship because i know you've yeah. been friendly with the, the guns guys for many many years yeah yeah you know uh i i had the benefit uh 
uh, we, I think I started writing and demoing in, in winter 2019. And then we did some shows. I thought it would be fun to, to maybe do a couple live shows with uh, doing maybe some boggy stuff, you know, uh, stuff from my career. And, but, but really feature the, those two records because I hadn't really played much of that stuff, Degradation Trip and, and Boggy. And, uh, and also play with these musicians, which I had been introduced to, which were, you know, was, was really cool. And a lot of those people ended up playing on the record with me. Uh, so, uh, and we closed both of those shows with goodbye, you know, and mm-hmm. which has always been a song that I love, uh, always been a big fan of Elton John. And, uh, uh, it, it seemed to fit with the body of work that I had written. It was the last thing I added to the record. I thought I needed one more song, but then we were like, why don't we just do goodbye, man? It seems like it totally fits with, <clears throat> with this body of work and what a great way to close, you know? with that track so yeah had you um, known elton did you guys ever talk before or did you actually speak to him when you were in the process of getting the song done yeah you know he we we've we've come to know each other over the the last handful of years and and uh uh you know uh, going to see his shows or or go out to vegas or whatever and and we invited him to uh to play piano on black his way to blue the title track which kind of if you think about it is a very similar song to goodbye it's very yeah. short it's very potent it's the coda of the record yeah, yeah um you know so it made sense kind of in a psychic way to include that on there and then and then uh it meant a lot for us to for it to have him be a part of recording that song and playing piano on it because it was the it was the end of an era and the starting of a new one for us uh, and that signified by that album and that song and uh so I covered this song and I, and I thought, you know, you know, just out of respect, I, I, I just kind of sent him an email and said, Hey dude, I covered your tune and I wanted to send it to you just to get you to sign off on it. Make sure I didn't butcher, <laughs> butcher, butcher it. If you were okay with me using it on the record, cause I'd really like to include it. And I think, I think it's a really touching version of, of a great song that you wrote. And, uh, so I sent it to him and he, he, he dug it and he's like, absolutely. You should put it on the record. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, are you so. pretty casual when you email Elton? Do you say, Hey dude, are you doing like, Hey, Mr. John, like, how are you guys really yeah. close? <laughs> sir, sir, Elton John, can I please? <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, it is Elton John. It's funny. Cause I, again, just nah. deep Jerry into your career. I feel like Elton was the guy that sort of got you into music, right? He is. He was one of my earliest influences, uh, and probably uh, he, along with a with a handful of other other artists, <clears throat> it actually kind of hit me at an age of about I don't know, maybe like nine or ten, something like that, where I kind of got the concept of what that meant to write a song and to be a, and to play it for people and have people like it. Hey, that's kind of cool. You know, <laughs> I wouldn't mind trying that myself. And. Uh, uh, what I did know is, is even though I was probably too young to understand all the nuances and, and all the lyrics and all that stuff, because, you know, I was dealt with, dealt with, you know, some adult themes and issues and stuff like that. I, I, I most certainly could feel um, the emotion, you know, uh, of listening to his music. So 
but you know, hanging with him, he's cool as hell. You know, he's like, you know, he's a, he's, he's a, he's a musician yeah. just like us. And so, you know, there's a certain language. We're the same kind of nut. We're the, you know, we're all the same carny, you know, we, we've yeah, all yeah. been on, we've all been on the pirate ship together. So, <laughs> so it, it's not too dissimilar. And we kind of get each other, you know, even though there's some variances and, and, and variety and all that, but, uh, uh, yeah, you know, I'm just, I'm really proud of this record. Uh, it's I, I love, without... I love, uh, nobody breaks you by the way. Great track too. One of my favorites on the record. Oh, thank you. Thank yeah, you. It's great. It's great. Uh, I was going to say about Elton. It's funny, Jerry. I feel like he's kind of dipping his toes into the hard rock world because he just, my buddy Andrew Watt, just worked with him on the Metallica track. So between you and Metallica, maybe you never know. There could be like a hard rock Elton John record coming out. Who knows? That could be fun. That would yeah. be fun. Yeah. And I'm sure you'd play on it. So that'd be great. But yeah, take me I back, did. if you don't I, mind, to the beginning. I would do anything. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. I was going to say, take me back, if you don't mind, to the beginning. So for those of everyone who doesn't, you know, don't know your incredible career and history and, and how you grew up, I mean, did you grow up in a pretty musical family? Like, was music all around you growing up? It seemed like it was to me. Uh, you know, some of my earliest memories, uh, you know, I, I, can, I, I, I connected to uh, music through the television and through radio you know, and also in, through our living room because my mother had an organ in the house and, uh, and both, both she and her sister, my aunt Linda, uh, both played organ. And, uh, I think she, I think my aunt had played drums and my, I think my mom played clarinet in school and maybe so did my uncle. And I knew my, knew my grandfather played, uh, 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 accordion, you know? And so, yeah, there's there, there's def definitely was a musical side and an artistic kind of uh, element to, to my mom's side of the family. And that's mostly who I grew up with. So um, but uh, she was dating a guy uh, and, and he brought brought a guitar over and was like jamming with her one night. And I thought it was really cool. And I think I might have picked up like a tennis racket or something like that. and was like acting like I was playing the guitar. I was air guitaring. And uh, he's like this, you know, he asked her, does, does he play guitar? And she's like, no. <laughs> and uh, he's like, hey, come over here a sec. Let me show you something. And he showed me a couple of chords. And uh, I picked it up really quick. And he's like, you might want to buy him a guitar because he just picked those chords up really fast. And so she did. She bought me a, uh, bought me a Spanish uh, nylon string guitar. And, uh, you know, I messed around with it a little bit, but it really didn't connect with me until i got an electric guitar on my hands which was probably i don't know around 14 or 15 and that's when everything came into focus you know like when i plugged that in and got some distortion and was able to you know learn an acdc tune or play some maiden or sabbath or whatever and like pick up the riff and play along just by ear i'm like man this is cool you know and from then on i was just kind of focused on doing that nothing else really mattered but initially, you actually wanted to maybe be like a drummer, right? Was that what I heard? I think I maybe thought about it. I was interested in playing drums, but I think that was that was for like like uh, you know when you're in band in like school, you know, mm -hmm. like and uh, and uh, I, I was interested in learning how to play drums before I before I kind of fell in love with guitar. Uh, but my mom was like, "There's no fucking way you're <laughs> drum set in this fucking house." Like, here's a here's a clarinet that I played and your uncle played. <laughs> She's like, how about the accordion, Jerry? That would yeah. be great. <laughs> and, 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 you know, I, and I got to say, like, like I, that's one instrument I wish I would have kept up on because clarinet is a really cool instrument, man. Yeah. And uh, 
the whole building your embouchure and, and the strength of your mouth and all that. And, uh, uh, I, I remember how I, I really enjoyed that instrument and I kind of let it go and never revisited it again. But, but, uh, yeah, that's good. That's cool. I was meant to be a guitar player. I think it's interesting because you came up with such unique sound, right. And you talk a little bit sometimes about people that when you know, you're emulating your heroes and ultimately people start emulating you. So kind of how did you come up with that sound? Because ultimately you, you developed your own style and sound that every time you hear an Alice in Chains song or a Jerry Cantrell song, it's like, that's your style. It doesn't sound like anyone else. Well, yeah. How do you think you developed that? I think that's just a, I think that's just time. There's probably, it's probably a com combination of a few things. Uh, you know, th there's, there's probably a, a bit of a gift. There, there's some luck and, and there's a lot of hard work. You know, that that's the, the it's mo mostly on the end part, but, uh, uh, you know, I, I, it, it's, it, you know, it's very similar with, with, uh, with drums too. I, I, you know, you can tell drums apart, you know, who the hell is playing drums, not only by style, but by sound and feel. And, uh, and you know, it's Alex Van Halen, you know, it's John Bonham, you know what I mean? Like you, you, it, it's instantly recognizable. So I don't really think the instrument, uh, matters what what comes through is the is the flesh you right, know right. with get sure. with guitars with guitars it's in your fingers man it has nothing to do with the guitar you're playing or the amp you're playing through it might color it a little bit and might be something that you play with like certain effects like 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 edge is edge edge has a certain thing in the way he plays it's his flesh but he definitely uses some uh, effect as well in the way that he voices but but so that's a part of it but it's really in your hands, man. And, and, you know, it's, it's no more, it, it's, it, it's such a magical thing to me. And, and I've, and I've seen it firsthand. I remember even before I, I really was in, you know, in a band like reading circus magazine or whatever, or some, you know, some rock mag back in the day and, and hearing tales about Van Halen doing shows with Ted Nugent and, and Ted was like, you know, what the fuck, man, is that guy playing through man, to make the guitar sound that way? And I remember reading a story about him plugging into Eddie's amps and he just sounded like Ted Nugent. And, <laughs> and later, years later, I remembered that story and Ed would come up uh, during sound check or I would be late, you know, and he would just plug into my stuff and be kind of jamming with the band. And I'm like, you know, he, he sounds like Ed through my stuff and then I'd plug into his amp. I sound like me. I don't sound like Eddie, you know, it's in the fingers. You know? Yeah, so, definitely. Definitely. So, you know, you, you, you have to, <clears throat> that, that, that's your, that's your unique personality coming through. And I think if you put the time in, uh, that just kind of naturally develops, you know, it's also colored by the band you're in, you know, by, by the other instruments and the, and the other people and encouraged, you know, encouraged, you encouraged each other to, to, to get more confident and, uh, find out what you're strong at, what you're not, you know, all, all it's, it's a lot of things. You, know? you had a great relation by the way with Eddie, And I know that you guys became quick friends and, uh, another great story, like how he filled up your garage one day with equipment. So it talked <laughs> me about a little bit about yeah. hindsight, right? Cause he's not here anymore and God rest his soul and everything. Just, you know, how you guys developed this friendship and what he meant to you. I know he was a huge inspiration to you and, yeah. and so many great stories between you and him that I, I didn't know actually. Yeah. When I was in eighth grade, uh, I, I, I have a habit. <clears throat> I never caught anything new. 
I was always like catching something a year or two after it happened, you know what I mean? And, 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 and that's okay. That's okay. Like a, a late bloomer, but a strong finisher. So like, I remember going, I was going to school and for that particular year, I believe I was in Pennsylvania, uh, living with my dad, uh, me and my brother, uh, were, were, uh, so I was in eighth grade going to junior high and fit this place called Finleyville township. And we were in a army housing kind of neighborhood, and my dad let me join the Columbia records and tapes kind of thing where you send in a penny and they sent you so many records for free for a penny. But then you were like on the hook at like exorbitant prices for like forever to buy records from them or whatever down the line. But, but, and it took had, six to eight I, I, weeks to get the records, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but I had, I had actually never heard them before, but what I had I had heard is, is my friends talk about them, you know? And then, and I also had seen the Van Halen logo, like written on some peaches. So I like ordered them cold, you know? Mm. And, uh, 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 I never, I will never forget that moment. I, I, I got Van Halen one and two, and I sat and listened to them front to back one and two with the headphones on while my dad's watching like Sanford son and hee-haw or something. I'm just like over in the corner, like lost and amazed at the the artistry and the fucking just otherworldliness sound of eddie van halen you know and the band and uh it made a huge impression on me and so to be years later to for us to get the opportunity to uh open up for them and you know i met him the first first time i walked on stage to to go uh go go play our first show opening for van halen uh, Ed walks up and he's got his guitar on and he's running scales and he's, Hey dude, how's it going, man? Hey, great to have you on. <laughs> and like, I'm like, Hey man, nice to meet you. Thanks for having us on the thing. And I'm thinking in my head now, could you go away and stop looking at me? Play a show. You're Eddie Van Halen and you're going to make me nervous as fuck. And he watched yeah. me for a couple of songs on the, and, and I was so nervous because of that, you know, yeah. but, uh, but he was just a great dude. Uh, you know, I made a, uh, uh, I made three real good friends on that tour and Michael Anthony and Sammy Hagar and, and, and especially Eddie Van Halen. Yeah. yeah. Sammy was on the show a couple weeks ago. He was great, but I did have uh, David Lee Roth on a few years ago. And I will tell you, that was a hard conversation to follow. I didn't know what, uh, <laughs> I almost had to sit that one out and I was like, you just go Dave and I'll come back. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I, I think that's just Dave, man. Yeah, you know, and yeah. I, I think that I think that that is why he is the the guy that he is. And I just talked about him. I just brought him up, not even relating to him, but but just as an as a, as as an example of what a fronting a rock band fucking means. You know, it, David Lee Roth is one of the premier frontmen, uh, and it's just because of who he is man yeah for sure you know I, I was i was bummed to hear that uh that he's that he's says he's 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 about done here i think he's going to do five shows in vegas here at the end of the year and he's going to call it a day definitely you just don't want to get sammy and dave in a room anymore that can be uh, yeah. not great <laughs> after what i well, heard so. two, di two different dudes but yeah, you know yeah, yeah. in a way in a way kind of there, there's some similarities the, yeah. the energy the energy level that those guys still output is pretty impressive i can't even keep up with sammy you know what i mean yeah, and, yeah. And, and the dude's you know 20 years older than me and like uh i, I get tired just watching him like <laughs> where, where do you get this energy from dude and i, I would think that dave would probably be the same although well, funny, i just hung out it's funny him. yeah i was gonna say jerry it's funny i just saw the stones i saw them play on sunday and they're still fucking amazing like mick yeah, is incredible I, I, and i was at that show yeah. on sunday yeah 
Oh, amazing. How yeah. good was that? Yeah. Oh my God, dude. I'm so glad I saw that. Oh my God. Yeah. Incredible. I mean, you know, speaking of those guys, where does it all start from? You know, where does, yeah. where, where, where does being a lead singer for a, a, a rock and roll band start from? It starts from him. Yeah. He's yeah. like, he is the first, you know, he's the Definitely. first real front man of a rock and roll band. Yeah. Yeah. I was saying I had the Melvins on yesterday. I was telling, I'm sure, you know, those guys from back in the day. And I was saying that I was worried about, you know, the absence of Charlie and, you know, Steve Jordan's an incredible drummer, but I don't know, you know, you never seen the stones before with a super pro like powerhouse drummer and that kind of rhythm section, but it was great. I mean, I have to say like, whatever it was, it was incredible. And, uh, wow. I'm so happy. It was, I really, went. It, it was really nice that they started with the thing for Charlie too. Really oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, Very yeah, touching. That's great. It's great. Yeah. So take me back for a minute. Obviously I want to get more into the solo record, but just a little bit of touching on the history of the band, you know, how you guys met and, and sort of, you know, I even love the fact that you guys started playing like Hanoi rocks covers early on. Cause that, that's a band that I love growing up. So I, you know, again, diving deep, you find out all this cool stuff you didn't know. Sure. Uh, you know, I, I, uh, I, I was uh, was born in Tacoma, so about you know, thirty miles south of Seattle, and grew grew up in a town called Spanaway, a little little burg out out, uh, out south southeast of, of Tacoma, and um, uh, you know I had a few bands out there, n- nothing of any significance, but you know we did some gigs and had fun, and you know had a rehearsal room, and I started like actually writing songs and figuring out what that was about, and. Uh, uh it was about time to move to the big pond you know I, you know i I'd, i used to read the rocket religiously which kind of told you what was going on you know musically uh in seattle and you know i, I would read about all sorts of all sorts of great artists you know tko and brad Sinsel and and you know duff and the farts you know yeah, yeah, and sure. uh and uh um and I'd read about all of this cool scene happening up in, in Seattle and all these musicians that were just, you know, 30 miles away. But, yeah. but when you don't have a car <laughs> and, you're, and you're 16, 17, 18, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a universe away, you know? So, um, I finally made the move to, to, to go up to Seattle and I met Lane at a, at a party, you know, through a mutual friend. I think it was his guitar player at the time, uh, Nick Pollock, um, introduced us and and we hit it off and you know he knew i was just kind of moving up to seattle and wasn't really settled and didn't have a place really that i was staying or anything just kind of bouncing around couches and uh he's like man i work at this uh rehearsal place called the music bank it's 24 hours a day seven days a week uh you're welcome to to crash in the in the rehearsal room if you want and i can probably even get you a job working there I'm like that sounds good to me so i moved in with him and we both kind of kind of worked a shift kind of running keys and letting bands into the rooms and stuff and locking up after they left. And, uh, and we got a free band room out of that and which we rehearsed in and lived in. So, Amazing. So, so it was pretty great, you know, and I, I was, you know, Lane had a band going, but we were kind of becoming friends and, and, uh, I told him I wanted to start a band and I was looking for like a, you know, some guys to jam with. And he, he had met Sean, I guess about a year before, and I had actually met Mike a couple of months before I met Lane, kind of trying out for some other band or whatever. If we jammed maybe for two hours and that was it. But Mike made an impression on me. And uh, uh, Lane whipped out Sean's number, which he'd gotten like the year before or whatever. Oh, he had met him over on Alki Beach, I think. And 
And uh, so I called Sean up and, and I said, Hey dude, you want to come down and jam? We got a room down here. And he's, you know, he can't, he's like, yeah, no problem, man. Like what kind of uh, you got a bass player? <clears throat> and I'm like, no, I don't have a bass player, but I met this guy named Mike Starr. Do you know who that is? And he's like, yeah, I do know who that is. That's my best friend. And I'm dating his sister. I'll bring him down too. <laughs> so, so him and Melinda and Mike showed up and we started jamming, you know, and then Lane started jamming with us too. And, and it just kind of started from there, you know? And this is what, about 85 or so? 87. 87. Okay. And by the way, yeah. 87, it was really the height of the Sunset Strip. All the hair metal stuff was going on. So it was, you know, obviously Motley and Poison, all these bands. Did you ever think like, I don't know, the sound that we're forming, it's fairly dark and it's two vocals. And, you know, I don't know if this is what's going on. Because early on, you kind of were a glam bland, right? Uh, sort I don't of, know. Right? We, Touch we, base we get. It? We get lumped in with that somehow, and I think it probably has more to do with Lane's version of uh, he he had a band. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you look at pictures of us, we're wearing jeans, jeans, uh, uh, leather jackets, and combat boots. I don't know how glam that is. You know? yeah, yeah. There's like <laughs> so one like, picture that's floating around <laughs> yeah. of like a sort of glam thing I've seen like years ago, but that might well, have been pre yeah, you. I, mean, I don't know. Yeah, well, you know, I'm sure we could pull up some some uh, uh not so presentable pictures of everybody back when totally. they're 19 totally, and 20 totally. years old totally totally but uh you know you, you go through a process to find yourself but but where i think where that comes from is is lane had a band with nick pollock and johnny bacolas and james bergstrom and he and they were called alice in chains like guns and roses and mm. we and when, we, when it came time to figure out what the fuck we were going to call ourselves when lane sean and mike and and i got together we liked that name you know, but we like, hey, let's change it a little bit. We'll, we'll, we'll call it Alice in Chains. And then it's a little different than your old band. It's a cool name. You know, Lane wasn't really into it uh, because it, he thought it had already been used. But when we changed it, you know, a little bit, tweaked it a little bit, uh, uh, you know, it ended, ended up working out and it was the right name to pick. So a lot of people get that old band confused with this band. They have absolutely nothing to do with one another. Yeah. yeah, yeah. How did the yeah. sound come about, though? Right. Because ultimately, you guys are both incredible singers and and there's this incredible harmony. There were no other. I don't think there was any other real heavy rock band at that time doing that. So how did you kind of decide to mend your voices in that in that fashion? And, and it turned out to be incredibly effective, obviously. I just think it's a natural process of figuring yourself out. You know, yeah. uh, you know, you you mentioned you mentioned that quote. And I think it's uh, I think it's absolutely you know, correct. Uh, you know, you start out by emulating your heroes and somewhere along the way you find yourself, you know, and, yeah. and maybe down the road by finding yourself and having some success at it, uh, maybe, maybe somebody starts emulating you one day and then you're just, and then you're part of the story and that's about the best you can hope for, you know? So, uh, I think it's just a natural process. You know, there's, there's, I, I, I've always been a fan you know, a bands of harmony going all the way back to the Beatles, you know, mm -hmm. every one of those guys could sing, could lead sing, and they could all, they could all carry a song individually. They, they work together, uh, singing harmonies, uh, you just going down the line, you know, uh, you know, the who Floyd, uh, the Eagles. I mean, you just, uh, I, I love Everly brothers. Fuck. I lo love all that shit. Country yeah. music is full of harmony, you know? Um, uh, I've just always liked that. And I had the influence of, of in school uh, being part of choir and drama. So I was used to kind of singing with people and that performing in that way, acapella. And uh, 
so I mean, you know, it's a, it's something I was always drawn to. I always appreciated music like that. I, I, uh, the partnership, it's hard enough just to sing on your own. And like, and to get tight with somebody and, and have, have a one plus one equals three scenario, you know, and, yeah. and Lane and I most certainly had, had, had that, you know, I didn't have a, the voice that he had. He had a, he had that otherworldly uh, extra something. And I, I was, you know, never, I never wanted to be a singer. I, I was happy just singing backups and writing tunes and <laughs> singing with a guy. Cause you, when you got Lane Staley, uh, I think you're good. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, but by singing a lot of stuff and writing a lot of songs for the band uh, that, the, that, that we ended up recording uh, gave me more confidence to sing. And, and, and Lane gave me, you know, he gave me a lot of encouragement too. Like, Hey man, you can fucking sing this shit too. And, and your, and your voice is important as well as mine. So, you know, he was that kind of guy. He was a really big hearted, uh, he wasn't a really egocentrical person. You know, mm. he was a, he was a, he was a real team player, you know, and he had a big heart and, uh, you know, he gave me a lot of confidence to, to sing more. And I think the first time you kind of hear that, where I kind of step out front is, uh, the EP sap. Yeah. And, 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 you know, there are elements of that EP, which I'm really so glad we took the chance to do that early on in our career because it opened up the playing field for us. We had just put out this really, you know, doomy heavy <laughs> record right. facelift and it, and it actually had some success and people started knew who we were because of that record. If we had put another rock record out, uh, you know, it would, it would have been totally cool. And, 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 but, but it would have been kind of set in stone that this is who we are. And by taking that chance to open up and, and kind of let down and play something. Uh, and, and again, I, th I have to give a little credit. I have to give a little credit to guns and roses there too. So I think their I think their acoustic EP probably gave us a little bit of inspiration to, to maybe do something like that. And, uh, uh, but it was cool. And it was cool to do that. So you can hear my voice kind of step out front on that and wood and it just continued to grow, you know, and uh, uh, it's just a, uh, it's just a process of kind of figuring it out, you know, and you, you do that together in the safe confines of your band and you do it at, in public on a stage and you fail and you, and you succeed and you go through all of those things, yeah. but you do it together, you know, and you find out what you're good at, you know? It's interesting because yep. Sab was even put out almost as like an Easter egg, right? It was sort of like an afterthought. You kind of just put it out there. Not a lot of promo from what I recall. And then it became we, one of your most successful records, right? Yeah, we intentionally put it out with no promo. Yeah, we, uh, we were already working and thinking, thinking about making dirt and, you know, had some ideas for that. And, uh, but we also had all this other material that we, we had recorded uh, where that, also, I, I guess I should also credit, uh, I should also credit Cameron Crow on that too, because he had asked me in, uh, to write a song for singles. So I'd written Wood uh, with Andy Wood in mind. And uh, in that, uh, we went in and did, did that demo and, and he liked the song, but, we, but he gave us some money to, to make the demo. And while we were making that demo, we recorded a bunch of other acoustic songs, which ended up being what you hear on SAP. So we thought it would, would be really cool to, to uh, just kind of put it in the stores, not mention it, do not advertise it. And, and maybe like these new Alice fans that only knew us from one record wouldn't go through our little, 
our little section there in the A's and go like, what the hell is this? You know, <laughs> you know? Hey, there's a new record. And, yeah. and we, we did it intentionally and it was really kind of fun because it organically kind of grew without any sort of hype, you know? And, yeah. and uh, I think the movie clerks, uh, which uh, got me wrong was in uh, that kind of blew things open for Kevin Smith. It also kind of did for that EP too. And it was really funny because it was years after the fact that SAP was released, but, but uh, you know, I'd be talking to people and they'd be like, man, I heard your new song. I'm like, dude, that's not new, <laughs> but, but thanks. You know, thanks. That's funny. Yeah. This is on an EP dude called SAP. Check it out. Yeah. It's funny when you talk about some of the bands back then, Jerry Light Guns and obviously all the bands that you were playing with back in the day, Soundgarden, and Pearl Jam, Nirvana, obviously Mud Honey. Was there like a camaraderie? Cause obviously Duff played on the new record. So talk to me about the relationship with those bands and we're even today, how it, you know, trickles down for your new solo record or your new record, let's say. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, been doing this a long time and uh, you know, I'm really proud of, of, of what we've accomplished uh, you know, uh, band wise and music wise. And, and more importantly, there's just the fact that we're kind of, we're friends and family and we come from a community uh, and I, I use that word intentionally community it's, it's just it's just a great it was a great area to come from to find yourself in and so many people who are our friends were doing the same thing and and made some really cool music that i that that i still love today and a lot of a lot of has made a connection to a lot of other people um i was thinking about this the other day in relationship to brighton like uh We've made two EPs, but the the first the the we made three three record three full length records with with uh, with Lane. We made three with William. This is my third solo record, so I don't know if I got a three thing. Maybe we, we need to do a <laughs> maybe we need to do an EP and then and then we're we're done. We've got four sets of threes. <laughs> I think your next record could be called three yeah. three three. Next yeah, it is. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. You're right. It's funny because with William, the band is so powerful. And I know you guys, like you said, you're on your third record or maybe I guess fourth record. Right. So it will will be when when we record another one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So kind of fast forward, by the way, you know, 2005, you meet William. Did you ever think you'd sort of be able to restart what you did and have such a powerful version of the band? Because, I mean, I think, you you know, people probably thought there's no way they're going to come back as big as you became. Right. Well, the ethos remains the same, you know, what, what what I just described to you about how the band formed uh, all of those things remain intact, even though some of us are not here with us anymore. Uh, the, the, the way, way we go about doing things and the reasons why we do it uh, have not really changed. And, uh, and, you know, during that process, we made a decision after we'd played a couple of shows and uh, we just kind of kept putting one, one foot in front of the other and see what would happen next and doing the next right thing, uh, that felt right to do showing up and doing the work. And, uh, uh, it was, it was two completely different eras and two different, uh, uh, personnel groups, same band, but the, the ethos and the way we went about it, it was exactly the same. And, uh, I think, I think if you, I, I'm really grateful for the fact that we uh, attacked it that way then and that we attacked it, uh, still continue to attack it that way today. Because if you win or you fail, you can't fucking lose. You know, yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, if, yeah. if you go through it, just strictly 
trying to, 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 trying to do what you feel is right and doing what you want to and being, being completely, you know, in the moment creative and letting things just happen, doing the work, showing up. And, uh, if, if you operate that way, there's no way you can, you can lose, you know, hopefully if you've been doing it for three plus decades, you, you're, you're getting, you know, you're continuing to get better at your craft, you know? And, uh, uh, you know, I, I certainly have noticed, notice some things, you know, and, uh, you know, I also know, uh, from firsthand experience, it's not something that lasts forever. So mm-hmm. you, you enjoy it while it's happening. Uh, the cool thing about making music and, and, uh, records and, and doing shows is, is, uh, uh, I guess shows live that way too, but, but more, more so with more so with songs and records, they live forever. man. If you can yeah. write something that hits the, the, the collective conscious consciousness uh and 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 is able to set in there uh you know that gets passed down you know that's that's how i learned about music my uncle showed me stuff and you know generations of you know older friends and stuff dude you heard floyd check this shit out you know like like, that's how it happens it gets handed down you know what i mean it gets handed down and uh uh you know uh it's, it's pretty cool. You know, you, if you, if you're able to make some songs like that, they'll, they, they, they live on, they take on a life of their own, you know? Yeah. That's what I was saying to people. I encourage you to go out and check out like Fishbone's version of the them bones. Right. Because I was like blown away how they could take a song like that <laughs> yeah. and interpret it like that. And again, such an, a testament on how strong, you know, those songs were. I mean, the songs yep. were incredible. Yeah. Um, and, but that version is all Fishbone. It's yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. so badass. Yeah, so yeah. great. Yeah. Well, it's so let's song, talk about the new record a little bit more, Jerry. But it's all Fishbone. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Amazing. So just to, again, touching base on the new record because it comes out October 29th. And I think when people listen to this, the record might have just come out. But, you know, obviously you put out the single already, A Tone. And Brighton was the, the latest single in the video. And there's like a Lotus Eater in a video and a very cool. Talk to me about the video, by the way, because... uh there's a guy eating flowers and yeah. shed light on for me about that video. Yeah. Both of those videos were really fun to make uh, for a tone and for Brighton. Um, I'll start off by talking about a tone. Um, Greg Pucciato and his friend, uh, Jesse Draxler introduced me to uh, Jim LeBeau and Tony Aguilera and the five of us kind of uh, sat in my kitchen and, uh, and I kind of gave them the rundown of like the feels and the environments and what the song kind of meant to me. And, and so we went about trying to put that, put the, to set that, set that mood, you know, and uh, I had never worked that hard on a video uh, uh, in my life. I've never done a four day video shoot. <laughs> I've done two and, and two is usually because you fucked up the first day. You know what I mean? So like, like, Oh, we got to reshoot this, man. This looks like shit. You know what I mean? And that's, that, that's the most, but we did four days. We shot, we went out to Joshua tree national uh, park and we shot out there uh for you know a good eight hours and then drove straight to phoenix uh went to sleep got up shot again drove back to la uh uh a day or two later shot the the band performance and then went and then went from there straight out to the salton sea so you know a three three out of those four la at least had a little bit of air conditioning so it was only about 90 (laughs) in that rehearsal room but but those those other three places were you know 110 plus you know what i mean yeah, so yeah. it was it was brutal but but it was really beautiful too 
And uh, uh, the video for Brighton uh, turned out great. And the video for Brighton was uh, directed by Gilbert Trejo, uh, who I met through uh, my good friend, Tyler Bates. And uh, he's just a really creative dude. And he came up with this whole Lotus Eater kind of vibe, you know, and uh, I thought it was cool. It has absolutely nothing to do with my story, but I love that he came up. I love that my, by him, by listening to the song, uh, he was able to come up with his story. And if that isn't a prime example of, of music can be taken any way that you want to take it. And it means different things to different people. I don't know a better example. I mean, yeah. it's, it's great. So that's what, that's the story he came up with for that song. And it fit together really nicely. It was really cool just to, to just to cut him loose creatively. And he, I thought he did a really great job. Yeah. It's great. Why do you think it took you about it's like 18 years between solo records, I think, right? Isn't it? Yeah. Well, you know, uh, Black Gives Way to Blue, Devil Put Dinosaurs Here, Rainier Fog, and and countless world tours. Yeah, that that that, that feels that feels 18 years. Yeah. You've been busy. You've been busy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you yeah. excited to hit the road again? Sound I think March, yeah. yeah, everything yeah. so much. Yeah. I was yeah. gonna say, are you excited to hit the road again come March next year? How are you feeling about it? I am. I'm really looking forward to it. I, uh, you know, it's been a, uh, it's been an interesting, uh, you know, 18 plus months here, you know, that we've all been having to adjust to, to life with this friendly little bug. And, uh, uh, you know, it's a, it's a serious thing. And, and, uh, so, you know, we've all, all had to deal with it. It's cool to see, you know, <clears throat> uh, life kind of opening up and, and, and people getting out there and playing and starting to, get back to life and a good chunk of us have you know built up some immunity whether naturally or or by vaccines and and uh uh i'm really looking forward to uh hitting the road in march and i plan on being really busy in 2022 and 23 uh representing this record and uh uh maybe maybe uh maybe have some uh, alice news next year too who knows amazing amazing so the tour will take you through the states and europe or just the states initially yeah, I think states in Europe for now, and we'll see where else we can get, depending on you know how things are, uh, you know, health-wise. Uh, and maybe there'll be a new Alice record next year. We don't know. Oh, I don't think a record, but yeah, we uh, uh, we, we, we uh, <clears throat> I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, okay. yeah. There, there there may be some news. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll be looking forward to that. October 29th. Check out the release of Brighton, an incredible record. Jerry, we got to do this in person coming up sometime soon, maybe on the next record or something, but it'd be great to sit with you. As I said, we have a lot of great friends in common and I'm a huge fan and a big inspiration. And so thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Okay. Um, everyone check out everything Jerry Control related and uh, looking forward to seeing you soon, my friend, hopefully live 2022. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Thanks, my brother. See you soon. Okay, bye. Hey, howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and Western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find the ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. Hey, Scott. As I mentioned, that was super fun. Jerry Cantrell, the soundtrack to my youth, Allison Chains. What a great guy. Interesting conversation. 
I love his solo records. Obviously, the catalog with Allison Chase is incredible. Thank you for tuning in. If you like the show, please make sure you tell a friend or 10 friends. The show comes to you every other Monday on iTunes, Spotify. Please make sure and rate the show five stars if you can. Looking forward to seeing you all in person coming up soon at the Spin Sessions. And thanks again for tuning in. Hey, howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and Western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.